and welcome to this Endo Life episode 52. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. BU are leaders in bringing us the science and power of nature together and they've now taken it a step further with their CBD range. The hemp they use is pesticide free, heavy metal free and sourced from only sustainable farms. They ensure that no contaminants come in contact with the plant or final product and they use CO2 extraction, which is the purest extraction process known to science today. You know how much I like to use natural products to keep toxin and chemical exposure down because it can affect our hormones and I'm trying to make sure my hormones are as balanced as possible. So it really means a lot to me when a company is really careful and transparent about their production methods. If you'd like to check out their range, head to the link in my show notes. And if you do, let me know. I would love to hear how you get on. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. This guide is perfect for anyone just starting out on this journey of managing and reducing their symptoms. This 16-page guide takes you through the natural treatment options and holistic lifestyle changes that I made to begin reducing my symptoms. If you're feeling overwhelmed by which type of complementary therapy to choose from or you're a bit confused by the endometriosis diet, this guide could really help you to get a good overview and allow you to begin taking steps to feeling better. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis, but it does provide you with options that helped me to live well with endometriosis so you can begin experimenting and finding out what works for you. To download, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Okay, so following on from my recent episode on dairy and endo, I wanted to talk about gluten and endo because I know that's quite a, I mean, gluten's a hot topic anyway. Some people saying we're eating too much and some people saying like cutting it out is become too extreme. And I think it's just kind of a whole confusing area. So I wanted to talk about my experience and then share some a few bits from the experts. I'm going to read from some of the books again and um, take you through kind of what I eat now. Again, just like dairy, really, when I was researching eating for endometriosis, I read that gluten was an inflammatory. Numerous sources recommended to remove it for pelvic pain. And I had like lots of stomach issues, a lot of bloating. And I don't think my brother was diagnosed with celiac disease by that point. No, I don't think so. I had um, a blood test and it came back that I was really intolerant to gluten. I think I'd already stopped eating gluten by that point. I actually think I'd stopped reducing it. I'd started reducing it, I think. But both my brother, I mean, now I know both my brother and sister have celiac disease and I've got to get tested again for it because when you're, I can't remember if I was eating a lot of gluten then or not, but if you're not eating much gluten then, celiac disease won't necessarily come up like you won't necessarily get a positive result for it so I have to go back I'd read about it so I I started removing it in the beginning I was a bit more relaxed about it but then I was kind of convinced more and more by different sources to cut it out and when I did my pain it my pain and bloating really reduced it was kind of like a I'd got to a level and I wasn't really getting any lower on the pain scale. And then when I reduced my gluten intake, it it really reduced. The way that I manage it is I still have sourdough occasionally, like I spoke to you guys about that. Other than that, maybe I have like a vegan cake with some gluten. I mean, the, the thing with gluten for me is that I don't have an immediate 
I don't really have any immediate pain from it. It's more like an accumulation and it and maybe my period's worse. Although I will have stomach problems from it pretty, pretty quickly. Then not dramatic, but just a bit. So yeah, I, I still have so that that means that I'm a bit more relaxed with it. I'm like, oh, I can get away with a sourdough toast. So I I will still have it a little bit. And I still allow there to be trace amounts of gluten in the sense of my brother and my sister, for example, because they have celiac disease, they literally can't have any trace of gluten on there. So they can't go to a restaurant that isn't celiac kind of like approved because if there is like flour in the air, that's gluten. If if someone uses like a, a baking tray or a chopping board that's had bread on it or gluten, that could literally end them up in hospital. Like my brother will, has been in hospital because people have said that it's gluten-free, but they've prepared it on a board that's had gluten on it. And they have to have like different toasters at home and use a different grill and stuff like that. So I'm not that strict because I, as far as I'm aware, I don't have celiac disease. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just not eating gluten, like gluten-based products most of the time. And like once or twice a month, I'll have some, but I won't. It, as if something's gluten-free on the menu, I'm fine with that. I'm not like, they don't have to be celiac association approved because that would be quite difficult. It's quite difficult to find those kind of um, restaurants. How I kind of eat now is like what, what I eat in replacement of gluten is gluten-free, like I eat gluten-free oats, quinoa flakes, quinoa pops, rice porridge, amaranth. Those are kind of like cereal kind of replacements you can get like quinoa granola buckwheat granola there's a flour blend by minimalist baker that I use for kind of all of my baking and I really love that so in this with this episode I've got a free download and all of this is going to be referenced in there so the link to minimalist baker's flour recipe is in there because I find that actually a lot of the gluten-free flour blends on the market aren't that great but if you look up a recipe and it specifies like use buckwheat flour when someone's taken that time to tell you the quantities of a combination that usually works quite well it's more when you just buy oh a general all-purpose gluten-free replacement flour that I find they're not that great. Bee Free in the UK is one of the best. Sainsbury's gluten-free bread from their bakery section is insanely good beyond bread is also really good in the uk you can only get that from like london and selfridges i think and like their own bakery and rana's bakery is really great online um the gluten-free bacon academy by heather crosby is a online course i can't remember how many weeks it is but it takes you through flatbreads to yeasted breads and sourdoughs and pizza and english muffins and all that jazz and it's bloody amazing um so if you want to learn how to make your own gluten-free bread I honestly think personally think Heather's the best person in the world to go to and obviously you can make your own baked stuff I often make a lot of my own desserts or cakes or biscuits I mean if if I've got time I will do that and I mean during the week I don't I mean I don't eat bread or cereal during the week if I was ever to have a bowl of cereal, that's kind of like a treat to me, especially something like granola or even like a healthier version of like, 
can't think like cocoa pops or something that's kind of like a treat because of sugar and stuff and nutrition wise they're not really always that great if I'm gonna have a granola during the week I would make it myself and make sure it was quite like nut heavy and maybe make it a buckwheat um or oats so my breakfast is more kind of like oats protein millet porridge quinoa that kind of thing so I save like I save the gluten-free products for the weekend because they are more expensive and they're kind of more heavily processed pasta we don't eat pasta that much anymore because I don't I don't want to get into blood sugar too much really but I do try to eat to balance my blood sugar so eating a big bowl of pasta isn't really great for that so I will save pasta for the weekends but um, chickpea pasta and bean pasta because they are like protein based as well I will have like fresh chickpea pasta during the week during the week I don't mean like pasta with chickpeas I mean it's made out of chickpea flour and I in my download there's some links to that like the the brands that I like but doves in the UK they do beautiful spaghetti tagatelli and even a lot of the supermarket brands like Sainsbury's I don't really like Tesco's own brand stuff but you know they're doing like rice and maize and quinoa replacements now so they're all really lovely you can get spaghetti you can get penne different things like that yeah if if you like your pasta they're good replacements Sainsbury's has a really good macaroni maize macaroni if you miss that when it comes to gluten-free eating check the ingredients because a lot of the time they're filled with really loads of like preservatives and sugar and um just a lot of not great stuff so just check the ingredients and go for like the best quality that you can find and afford and if that quality is not that great then you might want to think about limiting that I mean obviously you don't have to not eat it at all but just check the ingredients and try to get the best that you can I found that going gluten-free really isn't that hard at home because there's so many gluten-free options right now and you can quite easily make a dish without gluten it's more the things like a sandwich or toast or bagels or pizza or burgers that is where you find it can be a challenge and I do really miss like a good burger bun but it it kind of is what it is if it means that I if it means that I feel well then I'm kind of happy to do it and I will just keep searching until I find the best replacement but generally it's it's only really bread that can be a struggle but most the there are now really good gluten-free loaves it's more things like gluten-free buns that I would say is the biggest struggle that I find just having like we had burgers last night and I was so jealous of Chris's like brioche burger bun because it just looks so soft and mine was kind of like falling apart but beef free are good they are one of the better ones eating out can be trickier but I think it's just about knowing where you can go doing your research and getting to know your favorite places and also if you feel that you can get away with eating gluten knowing what what parts of your cycle you can do that and um how much you can have and whether you're like okay well tonight we want to go to x place so I can have a bit of gluten tonight because I've I've saved my gluten I don't know what the word would be I've saved my gluten for them (laughs) 
So that's kind of how I cope with it and the replacements I've got. But um, like I said, I've got this, I've got a download. So you can just sign up in the link in the show notes to, to get that. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. BU have just brought out a high quality CBD range, which is independently tested and aims to be the purest and highest quality CBD on the market. I've said this before, but the guys behind BU have a pharmaceutical background. And so everything they do is really thoroughly researched and tested and backed by science. Their CBD oral range contains full full spectrum CBD and is made with simple and natural ingredients. Their spray contains full spectrum cannabidiol extract, raw organic coconut oil and natural flavouring. They also come in two other flavours, lemon, which again just has natural flavouring and the natural, which is simply just the two oils. The sprays are priced at $24.99 for a 300mg strength and $39.99 for a 600mg strength. If you'd like to check out the CBD range, which includes muscle balm, drops and spray, head to the link in my show notes and please do let me know if you try it out. I'd love to hear. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, if you'd like to download it, just head to the show head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy and then I thought to end I would I mean I hope this was helpful for you with the dairy episode but I'm going to read what the experts say because like I said I'm not I'm not a qualified nutritionist or dietitian and even though I'm studying the health coaching and we are studying nutrition and the effects on pelvic pain, I'm not qualified yet, so I don't really feel comfortable with talking through it all. So I'm going to read you um, what Henrietta Norton has to say in her book, Take Control of Your Endometriosis. And all of these books are linked in the show notes. A link between endometriosis and gluten intolerance is being debated and is certainly far from scientifically proven as yet. A study published in 2012 concluded that 12 months of gluten-free diet significantly reduced painful symptoms of endometriosis in 75% of the women taking part in the study, including desmonorrhea, non-menstrual pelvic pain and dyspareunia. Developing research is seeing a link between the expression of endometriosis and celiac disease, but again, this is far from robust evidence. However, evidence suggests that avoiding gluten can have a significantly positive impact on reducing or eliminating inflammation. I have seen this in a number of women in my clinic who have benefited from removing gluten from their diet, but it does take at least three months to make an optimum difference. Remember, gluten is also in rye, barley and spelt. It is questionable whether oats also contain gluten, but many people who cannot tolerate gluten feel better avoiding oats too. It is also used as food additive in the form of a flavouring, stabilising or thickening agent, often as dextrin. Check your food labels if you aren't sure. In the early 1970s, wheat was genetically modified and a hormone was added to strengthen the crop. This new way of growing attracted fungal growth on the crop and in order to deal with this, yet another hormone was added. It is this artificial cocktail that has been blamed for the rising link between endometriosis and wheat, although the mechanism of how it occurs does need more research. Wheat contains a substance called cytic acid, 
that can leach minerals such as zinc needed for a healthy immune system from the body. Then she goes on to talk about if you want to get gluten intolerance blood test, what to check, but it's probably better to read it from the book. Yeah, so that is what um, Henrietta Norton has to say about gluten. And then Maisie Hill in her book Period Power has to say this about gluten. Gluten intolerance is not a food allergy. It's an autoimmune reaction that causes, that can cause depression, fatigue and weight gain. If you have gluten intolerance, then you aren't able to digest that pro- the protein part that's in many types of the grain. And when you eat it, the lining of your intestines recognise it as a foreign substance and an immune response is stimulated in order to take care of it. It's this response that causes inflammation, damages the lining of your intestines and causes digestive upsets such as bloating, cramping, diarrhea, constipation and gas, as well as feeling tired. This constant immune response leads to depletion and the, and the inability to absorb vitamins and minerals from your food, causing even more deficiencies and tiredness. I really recommend trying a gluten-free diet if you have endometriosis as it can dramatically reduce the pain that's typical, typically associated with endo. Be aware that for most of us, wheat is the primary source of prebiotics in our diet and prebiotics are the compounds in food which can cause growth or activity of beneficial microorganisms. When we cut wheat out, we significantly reduce our intake of prebiotics and therefore see a reduction in our number of prebiotics, the living microorganisms which populate our gut. These were being fed by the wheat and that means the unhealthy bacteria in our gut that the probiotics were previously keeping in check can multiply, which results in an unhealthy microbiome and inflammation. To avoid this, increase your intake of other prebiotics before you cut wheat out and you may want to use a supplement which includes both prebiotics and probiotics in it. Prebiotic foods include onions, chicory, garlic, asparagus, artichokes, cruciferous vegetables, raw honey, resistant starch, found in potato starch, cooked and cooled rice, green bananas. Some people find they can tolerate sourdough bread and pizzas, but if you have a histamine intolerance like me, then sourdough could trigger your symptoms because it's fermented. And finally, what Elisa Vitti says in Woman Code, so this is going to be similar to what you heard in um, the dairy episode because it's actually the same, same part of the book. Casein, the indigestible portion of dairy and gluten, elicit an inflammatory response in the small intestine, whether or not you're allergic to them. Although you can have occasional doses of these things and the body neutralises the inflammatory response with antioxidants in the diet, the reality is that all of us are overexposed, so our small intestine is constantly in an inflamed state. This compromises your ability to properly absorb all the nutrients from the foods you eat. Both dairy and wheat tend to slow down the transit time through the large intestine. This increases estrogen dominance because your body can't clear that hormone out of your system quickly enough. Estrogen dominance is linked to endometriosis and endometriosis has been thought to thrive off estrogen. When you're not going to the bathroom regularly, estrogen permeates the lining of the large intestine and makes its way back to your bloodstream, leading to an excess of estrogen in your body. Because a major part of living in partnership with your body is learning how it reacts to the foods you eat, I encourage you to experiment with your own degree of dairy and gluten sensitivity. Instead of solely trusting my word, recognising and understanding your individual reactions to these foods will make it much easier for you to make decisions at every meal. You'll know from experience how they make you feel. To assess your dairy and gluten sensitivity, um, try the two six-day sensitivity tests. So they're later on in the book. Also worth noting that um, my course leader, Jessica Drummond, 
recommends avoiding gluten too for pelvic pain. So like, you know, like Elisa Vitti says, it is about working out what feels good for you and your body. You might be fine with gluten, but I just wanted to share what these experts have to say because, you know, I'm not, I'm not trained in that yet. I feel like gluten is a really touchy subject with many people and a bit of a confusing one. So I hope that's brought some clarity and I hope my story brings you some hope if you are going to go gluten free. Most of the time I find it absolutely fine um, and I'm happy to do it if it means that I have a better digestive system and less pain. And to be honest, the gluten free products on the market are just getting better and better all the time. So I'm sure in a couple of years, we're going to have amazing products on the market. And I'm really looking forward to what that's going to look like, really. So yeah, if you want kind of something to reference to, download my free guide. Um, That's in the show notes. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. 